Last week on Glee Boot, Sue Sylvester sang Nicki Minaj's Super Bass. Writers started getting catfished and they dedicated an entire week to famous feuds. And that what you, that's what you missed on Glee Boot. Glee Boot. I completely forgot that Sue did that. <laughs> like a completely different universe every episode. I know we say this all the time, but... Yeah, but it truly is. It truly is. So, uh, Hannah might come later. She might not. So, welcome to Glee Boot, the show where we get drunk and talk about rebooting Glee one episode at a time. I'm Cullen. Alyssa. And today we have a special guest, my college roommate, and someone who's made Hannah's life more difficult without ever having met her. Aaron Buckley. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> oh my gosh, how? So Aaron Buckley was in uh, all white production of The Wiz. Oh, this, oh. This is true. This is true. You were the so Tin Man, right? This was your inspiration. He, you were Colin's inspiration. <laughs> I, I apparently for something. <laughs> So when we had to write scripts for Blackish, when this predominantly white class was asked to come up with script ideas for the show Blackish, um, I came up with the Sun Junior was the only black kid in an all-white production of The Wiz. And Hannah was so offended that that would even exist. And I was like, but it does. See, what I hate to say too is that like that's also that's a joke on Scrubs that like uh, JD was in an all white production of The Wiz, but like, yep, that was, you know, yeah. our, our high school theater director was very intent on just doing um, good works and like people can say what they want about The Wiz, but like it is, it's an important piece of theater history. Um, now, I'm, I'm probably not, you know, being a heterosexual white male, probably not the guy to, you know, get into the topic of what is or is not appropriate for certain groups to do in terms of uh, theatrical practice. But uh, I feel like I had an important cultural experience from being in it. Um, just not to say that, you know, I, I certainly don't go around putting that on my resume by any means. But uh, it was important to my development as an artist. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Lee had a joke about an all white production of The Wiz. I don't know. Christian jokes about so many things. Christian Chenoweth's character was going to put one on and it failed. Oh, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Today, I'm gathered with my past and present roommates. <laughs> roommates um, of Cullen. Right. Uh, so, Buckles, as we often call you, the person who used to just call me and say my name, like a serial killer. Colin. <laughs> Colin. He would just call me and do that. That's it. That's like. <laughs> Yep, that's Why, that is the extent of it. I just I I needed to let Colin know that I was thinking of him, and I felt like the most appropriate way to do that was to just repeatedly say his name into the phone, or that's, wherever it was. You know, you know sometimes it, sometimes it was at you know 
different positions that he held at Oakland, you know, just go up and and just say, Colin. Incredibly distracting from work, I'm sure. But, you know, that's the that's the price of being my roommate. So how long, uh, how long would you go on before either of you hung up the phone? Um, it's like 20 seconds, I feel like. Yeah, and you know, usually there was there was other things that were important to the conversation. Like there was okay. a conversation that would have to happen either before or after that. But that was that was usually how the the call would begin. He Colin would pick up, and I'd go, Colin, Colin. <laughs> and I see her. I'm just like imagining imagining like three to five minutes of just that. So the fact that an actual conversation went on is good. I'm sure that for Colin, it did feel like three to five minutes. <laughs> yeah, we were, uh, we were quite the odd couple. Aaron is very put together. I am not. <laughs> um, he kept so. a, a small bottle of holy water. I'm Satan incarnate, you know. What? <laughs> Um, but we were both redheads, so. <laughs> Kindred spirits, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. Um, so, Aaron, what is your relationship with the show Glee? Okay, so I have watched, like, sparse episodes here and there of Glee. My parents watched it, um, and on the nights that I, you know, didn't have rehearsal and stuff, obviously I kind of established a little bit of a theater background there, but like Glee was really interesting because I, in some ways, was uh, living it. Cullen knows about all of the drama surrounding uh, my high school theater and music program and stuff. And, um, but yeah, it's like just, um, I think we did a glee arrangement of somebody to love in choir when I was in it, but like it was immensely popular with the middle class white girls at our school who desperately wanted to be Rachel Berry. Oh, <laughs> that's so unfortunate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like watching it now, I'm like, mm, maybe not. Maybe they can try to be anyone else, anyone. Well, and it, you know, didn't help that our school that I went to was, you know, pretty homogeneously white and like lower middle class. So, you know, you had plenty of girls that were, you know, divas and some that wanted to, um, and I don't even, I don't even know character names, so I'm not even gonna bother with that, but just, <laughs> were any of them even close to like being a Broadway star or is that just like a dream that is you know not gonna uh, we did have a number of very talented singers um we actually right now um have and like he wasn't involved in like when I talk about like the drama of our uh theater group he was not any where near this um matt manuel is currently playing i believe david ruffin on uh the broadway production of ain't too proud Whoa. um yeah so like 
he's he has made it made it made it um very cool a lo lot of, and like I got to work with him um for I think one or two shows when I was in high school he's just absolutely just a nice guy incredibly talented and very hard working um a lot of the people that like were in it for the duration that I was in it kind of after that sort of like generation of um people were also very talented a number of very gifted singers and hardworking people and stuff um some of it you know it's like you there's talent without training um just kind of an issue of being a smaller more rural county um is access to the kind of resources that you would need to be you know rachel berry <laughs> yeah um but yeah you know back to the topic at hand it's there's still you know the ego even if there wasn't the training <laughs> yeah yep had a couple of those in my high school yeah i'm sure that i probably added to that i am by no means a talented singer i know how to hold a tune and uh if i needed to sing a harmony i can but that is about the um i'm certainly not somebody that anybody wants to listen to sing <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, because and you also you work at a performing arts center at a high school, right? That is correct. Uh, so uh, another like right up the road from where I grew up, uh, their theater program is constantly growing. Um, it's for the longest time, like they did a all school musical, like nine, like it's a nine through 12 high school. So it was like anybody could be in the musical. And then they only did a senior fall play, which originally it was intended that they fundraised for the senior all night party by putting on that play. So it was always like very campy, corny, like poorly built sets and stuff. And then kind of the intent with that got away as the popularization of um, like parent booster programs grew like now there's like massive like fundraising and stuff by like a parent organization to make money for the senior play so it's starting to transition to be more of a school play and with hopes to be on um, getting into more regular like two straight plays one musical kind of um, consistent program there and I think there's plenty of ground to do that and you know, a lot of the, the kids there are very, very kind and um, talented and with training too. So they're, uh, they'll be gearing up for a production of Les Mis um, sometime in, uh, I think mid to late February, um, but That's a heavy they, uh, for high school. Yeah, and like just to be clear, they are doing the school edition, which is very common for okay. high schools if there's a school edition to do, which most of that is like some songs get shortened and there's some key adjustments just to better suit um, different voices and stuff. But um, our, our vocal director, who is also kind of the director of that program, is very, very confident that uh, the kids will be able to pull it off. And we do have it's a it's a big year like a lot of a lot of seniors this year that have been putting the work in for you know four years but kind of just because of the pandemic like 
you know, two and a half essentially just because things were what they were, but like, they're, they're a good group of kids and I'll, I'm sure they'll be very successful with it. So. That's awesome. Uh, good luck to them. Oh wait. Uh, no, break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we definitely, we definitely don't need to mention the Scottish play, but that was, absolutely we were, not. <laughs> I'll tell you a little story. This is just a little bit of a sidebar. We were, uh, supposed to do beauty and the beast in March, like March 19th was supposed to be our opening day, March 19th, 2020. So we were one week out on March 13th, our governor shut everything down in the state. And then we were one week out from have just having had that musical in the books and that set for that uh, production sat on the stage that I uh, manage for I think it was over a full, it was 14 months, I think. Wait, like so you guys all were like ready to put it on and then the week before it went on, everything shut down? Yes. Oh. Yep. We were, we Dang. were entering our like last, like we would have had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday would have performed. But like we shut down on that, like the Friday before that week and it just... That's soul crushing. I remember oh, in high school we used to call that Hell Week. Is that is that yeah, like synonymous yep. in every single high school? Yes. Yeah. Yep, we okay. were gearing up for Hell Week, and so yeah. Hell Week just became like a hell year and a half. So <laughs> I had one of the in a diff, yeah, in a different position I worked in. I like did some set building for a production of Beauty and the Beast, and like worked the like house and stuff for that so like had done beauty and the beast in the last two years before that did it then and had to wait you know 14 months for it to be actually produced and done um well i say 14 months but that was 14 months from when the set got built until the when we tore it down we had been in rehearsals for it months before that um and then after we did beauty and the beast our junior high school program did beauty and the beast junior so i i am done with beauty and the beast it was a <laughs> wonderful show i will i never want to touch it again ever ever again acceptable you need to watch high school musical the musical the series season two where they put on beauty and the beast oh my goodness i uh, have not watched season two yet it's great <laughs> hi Suki. Um, so yeah, I was just watching it and I was like, as someone who works in high school theater, this episode must be particularly bananas for Aaron. Uh, 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 yeah. I live so many of the plot lines of this show in one way or another as an outside observer, unwilling participant. <laughs> um, so did you get a chance to take the BuzzFeed quizzes? I did. Um, well, I took the one, I took the Glee character. I, I didn't think that uh, Glee boyfriend really particularly applied to me. Um, <laughs> so if you want, I can, you know, really quick, if you guys want to, you know, ad lib for a little bit, I can go do that one. It's okay. But, uh, my dad didn't do that one either. <laughs> for my Glee character, I got, what is it? Quinn Farabee or something? I don't even Everyone know Everyone gets Quinn. Is. But brave. 
<laughs> she she's a great character who the writers hate. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in seasons one through three, and she sometimes shows up in season four. She goes to Yale now. Um, and I they still feel- do her dirty, like even in Yale. <laughs> like, come on, she's smart enough to get into Yale, and you're still putting her in all of these terrible situations. Like, why? Oh my gosh, I feel especially bad because like season like one through three would be most of when I had watched like interspersed episodes of Glee and I still didn't know who she was. She's the blonde cheerleader who gets pregnant. Okay, that's starting to ring a little bit of a bell. She tries to take, she gives her child to Dina Menzel and later tries to take it back. Um, Yeah. It's a mess. She's a mess. The writers make her a mess. She texts and drives. And oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, uh, what are we drinking today? Do I'm I'm drinking water. I, <laughs> you know, ooh, ooh, I'm really getting uh, uh, high and mighty, fat and happy on this good old fashioned <laughs> water. Uh, Cohen and I are pre-gaming for our Halloween party tonight. I am drinking a white Russian, correctly made this time because I've been shaking my white Russians. I apologize. I apologize. (laughs) To yourself. (laughs) To to myself and everyone who cares. (laughs) Anyone who doesn't care, you can take my apology and, you know, ignore it. That's fine. But for anyone who cares, I apologize. I have stirred it today. <laughs> I am almost done. I'm drinking uh, a Night Owl pumpkin ale. Is it good? It's really good. Colin bought a pumpkin ale because it was dark colored and thought that it was a dark beer. I'm like, it's dark. It's in brown bottles. Colin. <laughs> so um, he's trying. He is trying. Uh, so today we are talking about what was honestly a pretty decent episode of Glee. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. It was not bad. Yeah, um, guilty pleasures, season four, episode seventeen, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we have a few storylines. We have the Blam storyline, the main Sam and Blaine. Uh, we have Kitty, Jake, and Kurt and Rachel. Um, so let's talk about Blam. So cute. Okay. Yes. Um, we will be sending out our season four ballot soon, which I made. Um, and I just dedicated an entire question to the blam ship really okay yes. okay because they're the most interesting thing this whole season i would agree with that <laughs> at least relationship wise yeah um so uh blaine is offering sam 50 dollars this gets into our question that we are often wondering because in season three sam's parents were in kentucky and he moved and was going to be living with Finn. Where is Finn now? Where is Sam living? We don't know, but it's brought up that his family is struggling. 
So maybe the family moved back to Ohio. Who knows? <laughs> we still don't get an answer. Like this is just adding gasoline to the flame <laughs> that we've already started. Yeah. Um, and Blaine's because Blaine saw Sam stealing pasta. <laughs> and it turns out that Sam is stealing pasta for his macaroni art. Which is actually really good. It's really good macaroni art. Like Sam could be an artist. Like we've discussed before how he doesn't see value in anything that he does except for his body. And then he learns to value himself, but they never bring up the fact that he's an artist. Like what? Like he's really good at portraiture. Yeah, he is like Emma Stone and the cast of Duck Dynasty. And Kurt. And Kurt. <laughs> and Blaine is like, the macaroni really captures him. Uh, <laughs> like you can make i i don't mean to disparage modern art at all and the things that you can sell in galleries these days but he could definitely like capitalize on this idea of creating macaroni art portraiture and putting it in a gallery as like some sort of bullshit concept of how you're inner child matures like oh for real people will eat that up this just uh <laughs> makes me think of our friend katie who's on the funeral episode one time she would always use me for her photography projects and when i was just like a picture of me sitting and the her teacher was like yeah homoeroticism is really in right now <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> Oh, oh god. <laughs> Sitting there in a blue t-shirt and khakis in a dorm room. Congratulations, yep, Cullen. <laughs> you are the epitome of homoeroticism. And you know, he called it out so uh, you know abruptly. It must have been the overtones of the homoeroticism. It wasn't. There was no undertones in that picture. It was no. so so plainly stated. Kathy's in a blue shirt. It was a V-neck tee. So. Oh, V-neck. Okay. Okay. Mm, showing it off for everybody. <laughs> Collarbones. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So then Sam is like, you have to tell me your guilty pleasure, like your dirty secret. Like you found out that I make macaroni art, like you have to trade, like, which is in communication, what we like to call social penetration theory. Um, wait, no, I'm misquoting that. What? Social penetration theory is the onion one, like in Shrek. Um, uh, it's like, it's basically, it talks about how like, when you communicate personal information, people tend to reciprocate with equal personal information. It's like a communication tactic. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's called either. But like the teacher I had for that class. Like a social a mirroring or something yeah. like that. But uh, so Blaine is like staring at Sam's eyes and his lips. And then he's just like, I love. Wham. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then. Uh, Wham's not a bad band. I kind 
be honest, like all the people they talked about being guilty pleasures today, except for one, which I really hated, but the rest of them were just like, these aren't really guilty pleasures for me. I don't, it's hard to do that with music, I feel like. Unless yep, you're I talking feel- about like Disney TV musical Disney film musical numbers like maybe those <laughs> but yeah I feel like it's hard to really like nail down what would be guilty pleasures for some and not for others yeah. um yeah and they kind of discuss a little bit of like where that line is but it kind of made it more muddy for me instead of less muddy just specifically the guilty pleasures <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so then Tina comes in and is like, hey, Mr. Shu is out with the cold this week, so don't bother coming to Glee Club. And then a line that must have been truly bizarre for Aaron, having not seen this scene. <laughs> Buckles is like, are you going to go straddle him and rub some, or rub some ointment on his chest? I was like, Glee's already a ride, but this is... This is far beyond what I was hoping for or expecting. So in the Diva episode, Blaine gets a cold and he falls asleep while helping Tina with her Diva project. So while she was confessing her feelings for him. So then she straddles him, slowly unbuttons his shirt, cries and rubs vapor rub all over his chest. Yeah, Tina actually does that. It's a little bit scary. Like, I'm getting misery vibes. (laughs) Yeah. It's art. High art. (laughs) It's uh, it's what we expect from Glee. Nothing but the uh, most cerebral. Top notch. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, Tina is like, that was a phase. I'm like, a sexual assault phase? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, but they're just, like, laughing about it. And then they're like, hey, we should have a Glee Club meeting and we're going to do guilty pleasures, you know? And they're like, well, Mr. Shoe's not here. And they're like, well, we need to focus on being a more cohesive team. And like, when we share a guilty pleasure with each other, me and Sam felt closer to each other. So we should all share our guilty pleasures um, and like do some team bonding, which Glee has had some stretches for like, what they can cons- like for lessons so badly that this isn't that bad of a stretch. I'm like, no, this is their most. Although to be honest, I feel like guilty pleasures. That's that is a um, slippery slope there because what if your guilty pleasure is like serial killing? Like that's that's a problem. <laughs> People are gonna judge you, and this is supposed to be a judge free zone. <laughs> Yeah, but this honestly wasn't that much of a stretch. I was like, I could see an actual group doing this. In the Glee booth, I want one of them to be a serial killer (laughs) to be revealed in the Guilty Pleasures episode. What song do they sing about being a serial killer? Um, the one, the the stalker song, I'm watching you, every breath you take. Every breath you take. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one. (laughs) 
Uh, oh gosh, I mean the episode has creep in it already. <laughs> you know, I feel like you just repurposed that for uh for that one. Yeah, there yeah, you go. true. <laughs> and so Jake is like, well, you should start. Oh, at first when they're like, what theme should it be? Brittany is like, please be songs about sweaters. <laughs> um, uh, but then Jake is like, well, you guys go first. So then they like unzip their or rip off their hoodies and they're in matching shirts and they sing whams wake me up before you go go which um, is a bop i don't know how that's like a guilty pleasure for anybody that's just... i know i don't understand wham just in general has a lot of bops so i don't understand how they're a guilty pleasure i don't know i think they just went with it because it rhymes with sam Because Blaine was about to be like, I love Sam, but he's like, I love Wham. I did not catch that at all. Maybe if he was doing like a rhyming scheme and was like rhyming things, then I would have caught on. <laughs> I love Spam. Um, yeah, so this was a great number. Like, I love the costumes. I love the energy. Uh, it felt like it was cut like... A, like 80s music video like yeah though later sam says i put on the win so like glee has a thing where they're like this is a kind of a they they're not always clear about what is diegetic and what is not diegetic <laughs> um accurate and you get the vibe that they're singing in the choir room but they're also having this fantasy where they're in these costumes um but then later, Sam is like, I put on the short shorts for Wham. <laughs> so then they, that means they started singing in the choir room, changed into costumes, and then sang it in the auditorium. Let's not, can we not <laughs> dissect that one? I think they just made a mistake. Let me say, oh, as an auditorium no. manager, I would love it if just like every week a group of kids just came to me in the middle of the day and was like, hey, we're just going to, like, put on a bunch of 80s clothes and, like, rock out. Could you, like, do some lights <laughs> and stuff for us? That would, I would be thrilled with that. I, no, no, like, other work to do or anything. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to drop everything. You can wake me up before you go. Go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they do, uh, look before you go, go, and then, Later, Sam and Blaine are in the locker room. Sam's like, put some pants on, I need to talk to you. Um, and Sam Is that like a normal thing to say to someone in the locker room? Asking? Uh, I would talk to someone if like you're in the process of changing, like, cause I feel like I, old men just walk around naked, but like people That's are- That's the same for women. Old women walk around yeah. naked in locker rooms too. <laughs> But like, usually you're in the process of changing. And if you're like at the gym with someone, you're talking to them as you change. Yeah, I've never been to the gym and been like, put your clothes on, I need to talk to you. <laughs> it's mostly just a, we're putting clothes on at the same time and talking at the same time. My experience is that anybody that's talking to you in a locker room, does not care whether or not you have clothes on though it, i also find it odd that apparently 
you know, usually me personally, I lead with the pants. Like the pants are the first thing on. Like, <laughs> like I'm not like standing fully dressed except for my pants. Like, so I have some issues with that. He was in like an undershirt, so maybe he put on his underwear. I, I mean, like, yes, the underwear goes on first, obviously, but like for me, the order is like underwear, pants, and then everything else. Cause it's like nobody, nobody wants to see that. Nobody, like, nobody wants you so winning the just... pooing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was a little confused by this line because I didn't know where Sam was going with this. I think they just wanted like a no homo joke, to be honest. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I, that didn't come across at all. Because then Sam is talking about there's something inside of me, this like secret sin that's eating away at me. And it's all set up to be like, to sound like he's going to say he's gay or he has feelings for Blaine. And Blaine is like, do you have feelings for me? And then Sam is like, no, it's way worse than that. Um, and then he's like, I'm a fan of Barry Manilow. I'm a fan of that cut to Artie in the like also in the, the locker room uh, that like that's one of the how I knew I had seen parts of this episode before because I remembered <laughs> that because it is a beautiful shot of just like yeah I, I here I am on a podcast you know doing a thing rather than describing it but just like the side eye of just just hearing like... Barry Manilow is just First of all, I have no idea who Barry Manilow is. I did not recognize the song that they ended up singing that was by him. Um, but the fact that you're not supposed to say that name in a locker room, is that is that like, is he gay or what? I don't, I, I really didn't understand this part of the... I think it's just Glee being weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I think... I think the joke there is that like Barry Manilow is like this like so they're light not rock. being homophobic they're just being weird yeah I think that was more of a joke for probably like the people my parents age who like have people that like Barry Manilow not and I'm not saying that I don't like Barry Manilow but like there is he is this like light rock kind of easy listening um aesthetic that some people would just find I, I suppose there might be like a certain gay joke to it too because I think Barry Manilow is fairly effeminate and dresses um, pretty uh, extravagantly I don't want to talk out my butt there but I do believe he's kind of a poor man's old job that's kind of mean to say, I guess. Oh it, my gosh! <laughs> like he can't afford Elton John's clothes. No, like <laughs> have you ever heard the phrase like a poor man? Yes, but that's literally what I'm like. <laughs> he's trying to wear sequins, but he couldn't afford the sequins. No, it's just like he's it's, the less good Elton John. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like if Elton John, Rod Stewart, and Tony Bennett had a kid it would be Barry Manilow. I'm never going to look him up now. Like, I'm just living for the descriptions that you guys are giving me. 
So then Blaine is like, you have to just tell everyone in the choir room, it'll feel better. So then Sam gets in front of the choir room and he's like, I'm a fan of low. I love Barry Manilow. And he sings my favorite Barry Manilow song, Marry the Mole from the movie Thumbelina. Um, <laughs> How dare you break that into this? He did the songs in Thumbelina. I've never, I think maybe I've seen that movie once and I don't remember any of it. So I remember you talking about it though, and that was a treat. Um, yeah, so he sings Copacabana um, in a fluffy sleeved outfit. Um, and everyone gets up and dances around and they have a lot of fun and they're like, is that, that was great. Like ethnic outfit? Like I think it's supposed to imply some kind of like Latin American, like tropical hmm. culture. Okay. I'm not familiar enough with like to know if that outfit is reminiscent of a specific culture or if it's just like painting with a broad brush. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was. It's very similar to what they wore when they did the mashup of Bumbaleo and Hero in the Spanish teacher episode. <laughs> Without the pointy shoes. <laughs> okay. Um, so they sing Copacabana and then Artie admits that he's a fan of Lo as well. And everyone seems to be happy and having a good time. And then everyone turns out to be a fan of Lo. Yeah. And I wondered why, because the song that they just sang was terrible. That's not a bad song. That's kind of a bad song. I didn't realize there was like this whole like somebody getting shot subplot in Copacabana. <laughs> yeah, um, don't fall in love in Copacabana because otherwise it's the, the passion just overflows into murder. Um, they, they like acted out the story too. Um, so that made it interesting to watch. Um, but then Sam approaches Blaine in the library and is like, I admitted I was a fan alone and all this, but like, I feel like you're not being honest with me about what your guilty pleasure is. And Blaine's like, yeah, I'm being honest. And uh, Sam just isn't buying it. So then Blaine sings Against All Odds slash Take a Look at Me Now by Phil Collins. Not a guilty pleasure, not at all. That's kind of an iconic song. Yeah. Yeah. Like that and the drum solo in In the Air Tonight are yeah. like like iconic Phil Collins. Like yep. though, can we take a moment to talk about how you know Darren Chris is the only person on that show that the creators entrusted with not using like autotune slash pitch correction? Like yes, we get a fairly I... authentic like piano and string ensemble for the one number that Darren Chris does because they knew who they had. I actually remember seeing the scene and then wondering if it was like the original take and they didn't do anything in the studio. Um, so that was interesting. It, it felt very authentic. Yeah, when it first starts out, like, before it cuts away at all, I thought that it was just in camera. Mm -hmm. um, Same. 
Glee is always really bad whenever the group sings in a lot of songs. Like that's when it sounds the most fake. Like when they're singing Copacabana and the group started singing, it it did not sound like those actors got together in the studio and sang it. It sounded like they had just a generic chorus that they hired that just sang that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And like, that's always been my biggest issue with Glee is like, you've got all these incredibly talented people that can hold down their own numbers without this, without the overproduction of everything. And they just continued to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be real, the lip, lip syncing really is not like 10 out of 10. Yeah, not it's never there. not there. great. Yeah. Like I'd be really curious to see if they like would ever release like what they're like on what they would, you know, by their definition be underproduced stuff would sound like because it's like they had so many talented people on that show like just that I feel like that would have been a better service to their intended audience members than like this just kind of the whole like high school theater thing is like you have all these people that want to be Rachel Berry but like they're also giving her like a bunch of you know studio aids so to speak to be able to like make her sound as good she as she is and I feel like it would have been better just hear these performers authentically giving performances because Leah Michelle can sing yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and like you know yes obviously you know when you're doing these like single camera multi-take like cut up dance numbers you're gonna have to go over it in the studio because just the sound of the room is going to be too loud and like poorly it's like poor acoustics and stuff but like even that with their authentic voices would be better I think you know culturally I suppose than Mm -hmm. the the overproduced kind of crap that they so often give us yeah it's like the similar issue of them always talking about how underfunded they are and then they do these huge productions and huge numbers without having any like they're perfect they're like hollywood standard and it just really doesn't make any sense so yeah and they never rehearse yeah um yeah because we saw court overshoot we saw sam live and he mm-hmm. can sing yeah yeah it was really good <laughs> yeah um so then Sam, so Blaine is singing the song, he keeps looking at Sam uh, and everyone seems to kind of notice. So then Tina is like, so who are you singing that song for, Blaine? And because Tina's a little shitster. Um, <laughs> I would like to say, I can't believe the name of this podcast isn't Fondue for Two. Just, uh... <laughs> uh, and then uh, Blaine is like, oh, it's about Kurt. Like the breakup wound is still pretty fresh. Uh, obviously obviously about her um and uh sam doesn't look like he's buying it so then blaine is preparing for another phil collins song um and sam comes in and is all like hey you need to be more honest with me and blaine is like wait i can't remember does sam say i know you have feelings for me or does blaine confess his feelings oh no sam is like um yeah, I, I know your guilty pleasure is me. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Blaine is just like, I didn't want it to jeopardize our friendship. And Sam is like, I'm honestly flattered. Like, I'm an attractive guy. So if you weren't into me, I'd be kind of offended. Um, Sam is the best. I love Sam. He's such a great Glee boyfriend. He's my Glee boyfriend. <laughs> well, it's just, again, how we always, Sam and Finn are always compared. When Kurt was into Finn, Kurt, like, freaked out. Or Finn, like, freaked out. Albeit yeah. Kurt was a lot more creepy about it. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Blaine is being a lot more like normal and respectful about his crush. Um, and But Sam is just more confident in who he is. Um, so he's just like, no, I'm flattered. And like, of course we're still friends and I still value your friendship. And uh, so let's hug it out. And so they hug and he's like, is that a pack of lifesavers in your pocket? Cause we got a nice boner joke. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, they're remnants. Do you want one? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but I thought this was a really sweet scene. It was, was really super cute. sweet. And like Sam being the most beautiful human being. Wait, no, Golden Retriever is once again affirmed. I'd like to real quick, what like, so you know, I saw the you know the makeup artists were nominated for a primetime Emmy for the makeup for this episode. What? Yeah, yep, that's that's a thing. Uh and obviously they they didn't win, but like whoever was like, you know, Darren Chris has all this like lovely like very like lifted flowy hair. Let's just slick that shit down to his head and make him look like a toe. <laughs> like why why are we doing this to him like he's such a pretty boy he doesn't like this whole like slick down greaser look thing just does not do it like we see him with like his like what i you know his normal hair in the the wham section like why can't we just have that like it's a whole thing because when he started on the show, he had like some gel in his hair, but it was still like normal. And then as it went on, it became like a caricature, super gelled. And then they blanded hair gel at prom and he didn't want to go. And he said, my hair looks bad without gel. And I made fun of his hair without gel. And it, but it looks normal. Um, and now, so now he's back to the super slick gel, but it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They can't but, figure out what they want to do with this hair. Um, but I'm they, super they, curious, like, what part of the episode were they getting nominated for? Because this isn't even, like, a... Apparently, it was just, it was outstanding makeup. Like, just... <laughs> outstanding, well, let me be clear. Outstanding makeup for a single camera series. Which, they deserved to lose their, you know, in that category because of what they did to Darren Chris. so... I don't know, that's super weird. I can't even think of anything... Like I wish that it would have been for like this episode. I wish it had been for like set dressings and stuff because you know whoever did that macaroni art really they deserve some recognition. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so does that cover Sam and Blaine? Yeah, that was so like good. the main storyline, kind of my favorite storyline of the episode. Um, but we also get Super this. Cute. Yeah, we get this interesting storyline with the terrorist and threat to my national security and America's national security, Kitty. 
Um, so uh, Brittany comes up to Kitty and is like, hey, everyone hates you. You're a huge bitch. Nobody likes you. And Kitty's like, okay. Um, and she's like, you told Marley she was fat. So if someone is finally calling her out for giving Marley an eating disorder. Um, yeah, how many episodes later? <laughs> like 10, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, nobody likes you. And she's like, but, you know, we're both, she, Kitty's like, my pastor says that even Jesus took baby steps. And she's like, do you go to the church of Satan? Because you suck. <laughs> um, and she's like, blondes have magical powers like oh, it, was, it was like the ability to turn Swedish <laughs> I'm like, I must have blocked this conversation out because I don't remember any of these lines um yeah and uh she's like but you know you should use your blonde powers for good and you need to give back um so I have an idea so then it's fondue for two yes <laughs> Uh, she's the best on, part of this episode. Uh, she's on Britney's show, uh, and Kitty, she's like, the girl with the weird lizard ears that everyone hates, Kitty. Um, and I Kitty, definitely was looking at her ears, and they look normal to me, so. <laughs> it's just because her hair is pulled back so tight. It makes her ears stand out. I didn't even notice that at all. Um, and she's like, First, that cat is gonna die, and that fondue smells like hot, acrid barf. Um, and uh, she's like, let's talk about our guilty pleasures. Um, you're McKinley High's biggest bitch. Um, maybe you should humanize yourself. And Kitty's like, but everyone keeps telling me their secrets, so I must be doing something right. And I'm like, Marley keeps telling you their secrets because she is a naive Disney character. <laughs> um, no one else trusts Kitty. I mean, I'm sure there are some people that they're just not on, you on know, camera. cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, she's like, they start talking about their guilty pleasure. She like, Lord Tubington's guilty pleasure is Scientology. And they uh, have him reading a Scientology book. Um, and they talk about like how they love all the bring it ons and Kitty likes farting around old people and making them think they did it. Um, Which Brittany also does, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and eventually they get to bring it on that Kitty's like, there's no way you like that. That was that bad. Um, it took me about three titles in to realize they were talking about the movie series. It's <laughs> like, what are they talking about? Uh, and then Kitty is like, I can't list my guilty pleasure. Like, I'm too ashamed. And Tina is watching. And she's like, come on. And she's like, Brittany's like, we're on the internet. It's a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that was my favorite joke of the episode. <laughs> and she's like, you can whisper it to me. Um, but then Kitty and Brittany are walking into school and Marley, Unique, and Tina come up. And they're like, we are loyal fans of Fondue for Two. And we demand to know what your guilty pleasure is. And Brittany just outs her. She's like, it was the Spice Girls. Um, they're like, oh, we love the Spice Girls. We watched the Spice Girls movie on repeat. No, you're, you're skipping over the absolute 
like out of my hearing range screaming that they all do yes. like the ex excited fangirl screaming yeah that i was not very happy um so yeah uh they decide that they're all going to do the spice girls at glee club and they're debating which spice they should be and unique is like obviously i should be scary spice and kitty's like there's nothing scarier than a girl with a penis and they're all just like the fuck um and then Brittany's just like nudges her and she's like kidding and they're like okay that was a weird moment because they had finally like bonded over something and then she ruined it and it was just super awkward um so then they're having a meeting and they're discussing which spice girl they should all be and how many spice girls are there i don't even know the spice girls there's five right i don't That's know I think they had. Yeah, there's five. Sporty Spice, Ginger Spice, Posh Spice, Baby Spice, Scary Spice. That's so weird. I feel like this whole plot line was just so that they could perform Wannabe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, other things that happened in this episode, I feel like, motivate the song choice, and I feel like this one, the song choice motivated the plot <laughs> yeah. that happens a lot on Glee. yeah and like i knew the song but i didn't know that it was a spice girl song well it's like an iconic song i mean it is yeah. featured in disney's chicken little um, oh okay <laughs> quality film <laughs> uh, but yeah it's like it's like a very well-known song so when they're like guilty pleasure i'm like sure um uh but the the, the they're like debating and Brittany's like you shouldn't be scary spice i think it's racist that there's only one black spice um but she calls her mercedes the other <laughs> black character so mm. Mm. Uh, there were so many jokes in this episode <laughs> that really just they landed so well yeah tripping over their own feet face planting you know all the good lands um, so they're discussing which spice girl they should be, and then Tina comes in and they're like, you should be scary spice. And she's like, the black one, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and then she's like, I'm too upset. I just heard the most awful thing. And so we'll get to that storyline later. Um, but they sing Wannabe. Um, it's a good cover. I mean, it's it's a standard pop song, and Glee does those pretty well, typically. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> They dance around, Ryder's super into it, um, which it makes more sense if a character like Ryder saying wannabe is his guilty pleasure, but a bunch of women saying that Spice Girls is their guilty pleasure doesn't entirely make sense to me. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think any of the guilty pleasures really made sense. But like, again, that's such a hard thing to do with music. Yeah. Uh, and then Artie is like checking Kitty out and he's like, Kitty, you've never been so, and she's like, so what? And he's like, so happy to be part of a group. <laughs> Which is actually a true statement, but you know that's not what he was going to say. There's also a really beautiful shot of like 
whoever the drummer is in that scene just looking like he wants to die. <laughs> I remember like, that. Yeah. Just I like there's there's the part of me that hopes that that was just like the actor on set just being like gosh, I really hate this so much and someone behind the camera being like this is perfect. This is exactly the attitude we want. But just like the fact that it made it in really it it added for it it added to it for me it also looked like he was using like toy drumsticks too which was really sold it for me like it looks like he's using like plastic like children's drumsticks which uh mm, that is that really uh scratches my itch it was a great shot yeah yeah i wasn't sure like he looks really upset um and I'm like, why, why does he just not want to be there? Or is it specifically supposed to be because they're singing a Spice Girl song? I think it's because it's a Spice Girl song. Gotcha. Um, so then let's talk about the Jake storyline. Um, this is interesting. Um, so they're like, please don't tell me you're going to do a Chris Brown song. And he's like, I don't like Chris Brown. I don't think he's a role model, but he's a guilty pleasure. And they're like, he batters women. He abused Rihanna. He has a tattoo of a battered woman on him. He, as Brittany says, he attacked a window on Good Morning America. Um, they're like, he's definitely not someone we should be singing. Like he should be banned. And he's like, we sing Britney Spears and Rihanna and they're not good role models. Um, which... This is actually a debate in among Christians, but I'm not going to talk about that. But I do believe there's some acts of evil that are worse than others. And maybe being an irresponsible person or being an addict, in my mind, is a little different than being physically violent and abusive to someone. Yeah. This is a topic of conversation in like classical music regarding a number of German composers that were alive during Nazi Germany, which yet again, uh, you know, 20 something heterosexual white male, not exactly the most qualified to talk about this. Um, also, you know, wasp, uh, white Anglo-Saxon Anglo Protestant, um, but like, surprisingly i mean like not surprising because glee really thought that it was uh on the cutting edge of uh you know defining culture but like there is a interesting um discussion about whether you can separate the artist from the art or not yeah and it, it was really interesting for me, because I was just thinking about like when when I was watching the episode, I was thinking about when cancel culture was becoming more mainstream. And I'm pretty sure it was right around this episode, because otherwise they wouldn't have touched this with the 10 foot pole. Yeah. Uh, so then like he and Marley have a discussion. And he's like, what does it matter what two high school th kids think? And she's like, every ocean starts with a drop of water. I sound like my grandma. Um, so then he decides to sing Bobby Brown, uh, my prerogative. Um, and then they're still upset with him. Um, and then Tina is dressed up as the Vicky the Robot Girl from Small Wonder. 
I have no idea. And I don't know. Kitty is like, I need to talk to some normal people. I'm so sick of these guilty pleasures. Uh, um, and Tina's like chasing her around as the robot. And then they're like, you know, he, uh, Jake is like, I didn't know about Bobby Brown when he used him and him getting her addicted to crack. And they're like, but you knew who Vicky from Small Wonder is? And I'm like, that's a fair point. Um, but I do find this storyline very interesting because both kind of vilified artists are black men and it is a black male character seeing them. And it, but the criticisms of these artists are valid, but no one taught It's not like we have Ryder wanting to sing Eminem and people are like, well, he sings about hitting women. Um, it's very interesting to me that it's only black men being vilified, even though these are two people who've done bad things. Yeah, but also in like, this is sort of a different point that I kind of understand the Chris Brown story more. I'm gonna be super honest. I am completely out of the loop when it comes to anything like that was in the news or that has to do with individual people and celebrities making bad decisions or being terrible people to their husbands or their wives or anything. I just don't, I don't know. I'm just out of the loop. And with the Chris Brown, like, obviously he knew who that was and what he had done, what he had done. Um, and with the Bobby Brown there, they were still angry with him, even though he didn't know, but there was like, there was no intention to like educate him in, in like, you know, artists that he should be aware of. So I, I don't know. It, it felt like, I don't know. It felt to me like this episode was trying to do something good, but not for the right reasons. Does that make sense? Like trying to jump on the cult, the cancel culture train because it was popular at the time, but not really exploring the real reasons behind why that's important. And it was such a small plot line and I wish it had gone a little bit more in depth and like how you and other people around you can actually approach that, that sort of situation. Um, and obviously there's no right, there's, there's a more right answer, but I don't think anyone has come to a very like super definite conclusion yet. Like, especially like you were saying, Aaron, about, or, or Buckley, what should I call you? <laughs> <laughs> so my nickname all throughout high school and Cullen knows it because uh, our mutual friend, Katie, who was on the podcast uh, also called me, it was Buckles. Buckles. Um, okay yes do you like that or do you not want me to call you that no no i'm more than okay with being called that that is a uh a like i don't know it's just a it's a fond memory and i'm fine with it 
okay well then like buckles was saying mm. like like this is something that also extends to like classical artistry and you know things like that so it's it's an ongoing issue um yeah it touches harry potter and jk rowling yep yeah, yeah like major major things so in a better show that had like a good adult figure because will is such a terrible adult he's not in this episode thank god i know he's not even <laughs> in this episode but like, there, there are a, no adults in this episode <laughs> no adults. i think it's the only one that features like none of the adults mm-hmm. i think i read that uh that like you could have had an adult talk about like separating the art from the artist or like how they how they view it or something and come to a more mature conclusion but all we have is marley a white girl telling jake a black boy how to be yeah and not to mention also this was the first time i had seen the glee club so outwardly um aggressive towards any other member um, because they were booing and hissing him as he got up to sing. And that I've never seen that from the Glee Club before. And I didn't like it. Yeah, except when Blaine accused Kurt of cheating. And then Brittany said she just had the fastest land speed of every, any living animal. And they all aggressively sang uh, the Whitney Houston song at him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but that was a song. Like, yeah. this was the first time that <laughs> I've seen like the glee club like be outwardly aggressive not in song and like in what's supposed to be like a safe space yeah yeah and i didn't i didn't like that yeah um so that was so then jake and so marley's like you know what my other guilty pleasure is and jake's like please don't say me um and because that would be cheesy and she's like anything starring jessica simpson um and then they like kiss and they're like we're super into each other and so they resolve their issues i'm so out of the loop because someone's gonna have to tell me who jessica simpson yeah. is <laughs> um, she was a singer in like the early 2000s i want to say yeah it was like right around the time of like britney spears and stuff like i think there was a lot of comparisons between those two and she I just know her dad was kind of weird and she was kind of dumb and she was like, I know this is tuna, but is it chicken or is it fish? Wait, what? There's a video of her being like, is this chicken or this fish? And people are like, it's tuna. She's like, I know it's tuna, but is it chicken or is it fish? Like for real, that's like a real thing. It wasn't staged at all? Yeah, that's. Oh, well. Yeah. Maybe she's like Britney and emotionally. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that would be like why she's a good actor and Marley likes her. (laughs) I don't know. Um, So that, so let's get to New York and the New York stuff. (laughs) Oh boy. So here we go. (laughs) So Kurt's in acting class and they're talking about this girl's sense trauma memory of potty training. Which, yeah oh i don't even that's hard i don't remember anything that i don't age yeah um i that is i'd like to say for the record that that is like acting classes though like (laughs) that's accurate (laughs) yeah i mean like 
in acting classes, um, let's see, I've described the situation where I poop my pants as an adult. Uh, on the I, first I day know of class, story. That was that was how I introduced myself to my class. Um, oh, I've no. given classmates a full body massage. Uh, I have done breathing exercises with classmates that essentially amounted to cuddling on the floor. Um, and like, it just, yeah, yeah. It doesn't like that, that scene opened and I was like, this doesn't, this doesn't phase me. This doesn't surprise me at all. This is, this is acting. This is how we explore <laughs> acting. Acting 101. Yes. <laughs> and then Kurt's like, I'm ready to blow them away. Uh, but I'm not even going to tell them my real guilty pleasure, which is my boyfriend arm, Bruce, that I sleep with, this non-judgmental thing to feel like I'm being held. If Adam knew, or God forbid, Blaine, I would be devastated. I'd be so embarrassed. Um, so then we get this scene in the bathroom where Santana is finally paying rent. So she's like, if I get a third of the rent... They skipped over so many things. Oh yeah. Last oh. time we saw them in New York, Santana was lurking in a hotel room. Brody came in, Finn came out, punched him and said, stay away from my future wife. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so that, here. It, it, wait, isn't future wife, isn't that potentially an indirect reference to Tommy Wiseau's The Room? What? I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what Tommy refers to, to Lisa. No! <laughs> oh my god! What? Yeah, that is exactly that. I am, I am like a hundred percent that. No like, one knows the room is, better than Aaron. Oh my um, goodness! That's not entirely true. There are people that do, but like, oh boy, do I if love the room. If that's an actual reference, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Because we talked um, about that line for like a good five minutes. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm pretty sure that that is what he calls her because I remember it was like, it wasn't fiance, which is what you'd expect, or like my wife. It was, yeah, it was my future wife. Yep. Someone at least out there being slick and they're like, we're going to slide that in there. But we caught him. <laughs> The writers on Glee, they think that we aren't cultured, but I mean, you know, the, the room was 10 years old at that point. So oh it boy. had been playing in, uh, you know, that one theater out in California for, you know, a while at that point. So, uh, you know, maybe there are some, I don't, I don't think I would put the room under, you know, the list of things that I would call cultured, but. I'm going to go on the IMDB page for this and I'm going to add that as like a citation for a uh, like bonus feature or fun fact about it. So then, yeah, uh, Santana's like, if I'm getting, if I'm paying a third of the rent, I should get a third of the shelf space. Like, Rachel, do you need all these beauty products? You still look terrible. And Kurt is like, those are mine and you're being a bitch and like, Maybe you have so much, if you use them, you wouldn't have so much oil in your face as much as the Middle Eastern dictator or like something like that. It was weird. And she's like, oh, you think you can fight? You want to fight back? What if I told your bestie about her boyfriend? And he's like, we made a pact. And she's like, I could break it. And then Rachel comes out of the shower 
and is all and Santana's like ooh la la Rachel burying a towel hard to believe Brody gave that up she's like I'm so sensitive about it he just left without saying anything and he leaves and is like we'll always still be friends it took me uh like a good 30 seconds to remember like why Brody woke it's not in her life anymore because the whole scene of them breaking up happens off camera yeah um why why tell your audience you know the classic film things why tell your audience what you can show them or as glee likes to do why tell or show your audience when you can <laughs> imply that it happens yes exactly <laughs> um so Kurt is like uh, her Rachel Santana's like that's a classic breakup line like he's so lame you don't need him he's gross and Rachel's like everything still reminds me of him and Kurt wants to keep Rachel's ego strong because she has her funny girl audition coming up which we haven't talked about in like five episodes yeah I thought that already happened um but apparently not I wonder if they're going to have it happen off screen or if this is going to be like a thing in an episode. Um, so then uh, Santana is like, you have us, you have friends. And Rachel's like friends that like tear down my appearance. And I'm like, Rachel, your spray tan is pretty bad. Um, and Santana's like, no friends that help you play pranks on your other friends. Like we could draw a mascara mustache or put his hand in warm water and make him wet the bed. So they decide they're gonna do, make him wet the bed and they sneak into his room and they find his boyfriend pillow. Um, and Kurt is horrified. He's like, this means privacy. And like, you have a boyfriend pillow? The curtain, the curtain means privacy. I don't think I would be able to stay in an apartment if I didn't have a door. <laughs> like I need a door. Um, and he, so he's like embarrassed that they found his boyfriend pillow, but he's like, it's great, you know? And they're like, you're not that lonely. He's like, sometimes I feel lonely. Um, so then he gets Santana and Rachel their own pillows. Um, he gave R Santana's pillow a dress and some perfume. He gave, so Santana's like, you gave him a sex change. And a boob. Yeah, it has and, a boob. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, and so Santana's enjoying her pillow, but, uh, he's like, Rachel, you have a non-judgmental boyfriend pillow named Colin, named after the non-threatening boy in Secret Garden. And she's like, I'm not that lonely. Just because me and Brody are no longer living together doesn't mean we broke up, which is like, what? Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, Santana's like, Rachel, you don't need him. He was a gigolo. Uh, and Santana... Which Hannah called it, like, <laughs> she was like, he's, he's selling his body. Yep. For sure. And so uh, she's like, please tell me Santana's lying. And Kurt's like, no, it's true. And she's like, oh my gosh. Which, how does Kurt know? We never saw Kurt knowing. He never knew. <laughs> I don't understand. So then uh, we get a scene of they're at school and Rachel comes up to him with money and offers him money and is like, hey, I thought that we could have dinner tonight. Is this your going rate? 
And he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, I found out you weren't being honest with me. Well, first she's just like, you're a man whore. How could you? Like, you're, that's disgusting. And it he, was, it was like deep cuts. Yeah. And she was doing this in public. Yeah. Like with his students in the room. She's that's so shitty. And he's like, not all of us have doting daddies to pay our bills. And I'm like, fair, like he's just trying to make money. Mm-hmm. But then she points out the real problem, which why didn't you tell me? You said it would only work if we were being honest, which was a conversation that happened off screen. Um, I feel like this is one <laughs> of the times that we actually did a pretty good job in like doing where it's on the nose and then you take it further and further off the nose until it's sort of like the conversation pinpoints. So it starts off as being not really about the issue and then eventually becomes the issue. Um, yeah. I think she's being a terrible person, but I also think it's actually pretty realistic for the situation. Yeah. So. Uh, so he's like, you weren't honest with me. I know you slept with Finn at that wedding. And he's, she's like, did Santana tell you? And he's like, no, I just knew. And she's like, to be honest, I feel like part of me was using this to make Finn jealous and to feel more mature and like to feel like I moved on. And Brody's like, so that's what this was. Like, it's gonna really suck seeing you around. And then they sing Radiohead's Creep. First they're like walking away singing it, then they're on like a stage singing it. There's a lot of different places they were singing. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, she's like singing in bed and she like, he's in bed and she's not and they're like moving back and forth. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Um, So then Santana and Kurt are having a Facts of Life marathon because Kurt was earlier talking about his guilty pleasures like Golden Girls and Murder, She Wrote and all that. Um, And Santana's like, we need to make this a musical and make it gay, or like, she implies that because she's upset that the two women didn't end up together. Uh, And then Rachel comes in and they're like, hey, how are you? And she's like, you know, I'm good. Um, I feel ready for my funny girl audition. And I'm glad to have friends like you who support me. Santana, I'll never doubt your Mexican psychic psychic third eye again. And Santana like points to her forehead. (laughs) And she's like, happy that we have our new third permanent roommate so they've officially accepted Santana um, and she's like but I'm gonna play the heartbroken card to pick tonight's movie we're gonna watch the ultimate guilty pleasure musical Mamma Mia and then they all sing Mamma Mia and then the Glee Club sings Mamma Mia as well see and like I don't think that Mamma Mia is even like a guilty pleasure movie musical well, it's like one of the like better done movie musicals like like a, I, for me, a guilty pleasure movie musical would be like Disney's Into the Woods. Now, <laughs> I think it's awful. Like, uh, just to be clear, and that is not my guilty. Yeah, pleasure. it's like it the is, type of movie that you like know is bad, but you still really like it. Dear Evan yeah. Hansen, <laughs> I didn't so like, hate that movie as much as everyone else. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I like. I had, like, read a couple reviews, and it's always fun because you'll, like, read the one review by somebody that just, like, 
hasn't seen the Broadway production, so they have no idea like what they're trying to review when it's a movie musical, and they're just like, I don't understand. I feel like the songs got in the way of the story, and it's like, are you? Oh, and you get paid to do this? Like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. I see. I don't like Mamma Mia, but I also know that it's not a bad movie. So it's same, that's just personal preference. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a huge musical theater snob. Like I like high, you know, highbrow that kind of stuff. And I don't pretend to like say that my opinion is better than other people's. I just, I like what I like, and I don't like what I don't like. And like. Mm-hmm. I love ABBA. I would listen to a collect like a greatest hits ABBA collection. Am I going to ever go see Mamma Mia? No, no, <laughs> yes. I'm not. Because there are some things that don't need to be musicals, like jukebox musicals, don't need to exist at all. But, but from what I know of the jukebox musicals. Mamma Mia, and specifically the movie of Mamma Mia, is very well done. So, still don't feel like it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> so yeah, that's the end of the New York stuff. Um, it was kind of small, but I kind of like it as like a B storyline, and the school is the main stuff. It was one of the better B storylines that they do in New York. Yeah. Um, I do wish we had seen a good amount of it on camera which we didn't see but it was still pretty okay yeah so that leads us into tina time now tina actually talked a lot but i didn't count she had 17 lines 17 that's pretty good yeah she's doing pretty well this season she got a whole new character and that character gets lines yeah yeah they had to make her like bitchier so that she could have more lines I don't know. I don't get it, but okay. Um, so let's talk MVPs and LVPs. Aaron, who is your least favorite character this episode? My least favorite character? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's like when, when the things are bad, they're just so bad. But it's not like, it, like it's just so like consistently bad. Like <laughs> it's, I don't know. I feel like my least favorite characters are, you know, probably uh, Mr. Schuster and uh, Sue because they weren't in the episode. Like at the very least, when Sue's in the episode, I have something awful to look forward to, just like a terrible human being. But like, and then you know. Will Schuster also a terrible human being, but for different reasons. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that I, I have a, a you know least least valuable player, so to speak, for this. Alyssa? Um, you go first. Rachel. Um, for that, I don't know what your going rate was in front of everyone. So mean, so bitchy, so classist. Like, he was being a bad person by not telling his girlfriend that he was a sex worker, because that's something you need your partner should know. But, like, Rachel's just so mean and immature. Um, I 
I'm gonna go with what were our plot lines again? We had Blam, Kitty, Jake, um, and New York. I think Rachel probably is the worst one this episode because of her reaction. And I'm not saying that her reaction is like badly written. I think it's actually pretty well done, but it's just like not very nice. <laughs> I'd like to change my answer. I think uh, I think that Kurt was my least favorite character this episode because he was lying in his acting class. If you're going to get down <laughs> to the fundamentals of your childhood potty training trauma, you need to be honest with yourself, Kurt. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, who is your favorite character? Who is your MVP of the episode? Oh, for me, it's it's always Darren Chris. Like, just when he got introduced as a character on that show, I had seen him in like the uh, very Potter musical series, and like, you know, knowing that he went to U of M and stuff, always has felt like kind of a, a homegrown boy, so to speak, for you know the greater metro detroit area and so and then also just kind of i said it earlier it's like the fact that he's like the one character in the show that ever gets to do anything that they don't immediately overproduce with auto-tune pitch correction and such nice i'm going to sam because of all the reasons i already said (laughs) he's just he he takes the crush amazingly well and I think it was like almost like the icing on the cake that he knew that uh Blaine was crushing on him for like a year and it didn't change the way they interacted at all I'm really I'm gonna go with just Blaine as a unit Blaine Sam <laughs> I can't pick that okay they both were really fun this episode like interesting characters they had fun they were goofy they moved, they were like better at running the club than Mr. Schuster. They moved the stories along. And I liked their scenes together. They're really sweet. Um, and you could, Sam was really sweet, but you could also really connect with Blaine and how he was feeling. So they were characters you could root for, which is so rare, I'm glee. Because um, our, Unfortunately. our central protagonist is the person I said is my least favorite this episode. <laughs> um. Yeah, so let's talk about the music. Um, we have Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, Coca Cabana, uh, Take a Look At Me Now slash Against All Odds, Wanna Be, My Prerogative, Mamma Mia, and Creep. So honestly, not a bad episode for music. We've had some duds recently and said some good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aaron, what was your least favorite song? I think for me, honestly, Copacabana kind of falls a little bit flat not and not even that it's bad because it's like honestly it's a solid episode for the music but uh I think just and you know obviously it's my personal preference and stuff but like um I really like Creep by Radiohead it's a very fun and effective like musical theater tool um just like it's a good song for like solo auditions and stuff so I've always really liked it and I thought that the you know the dancing and my prerogative was pretty pretty fun um but it's just we get the like 
multi it, all the things that drive me nuts about glee which is like all the like million cuts throughout the number to hide that we don't really know the choreography we're just doing it in like eight bar counts to get through it and then this super overproduced sound that we get from it's just like it sounds like if you were able to have like like um like how they have like midi strings on like pianos and on like electric pianos and clavinovas and stuff where it's like oh yeah you know you're playing a, a quote-unquote string section here and it just sounds like super canned and just bad that's that's what i always feel yeah. they're they're big ensemble numbers like that so um i'm gonna go with copacabana also i can barely say that for some reason it just is giving my tongue some problems like hurdles that my tongue just refuses to go over um so number one because i can't pronounce it and <laughs> number two is because i just you know it's kind of boring i didn't i don't like it i and i probably wouldn't like the rest of the other songs that the person who i can't remember Fair the enough. name is did either so <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going with that one. Uh, I'm going with Creep. Sorry, Aaron. Um, I no, don't. It's... I don't give a shit about Rachel or Brody. Their relationship has always been so boring. Um, I'm glad they're broken up. And if we had delved into Brody feeling weird or an outsider or something is wrong with him because and like he feels bad about being a sex worker or like something but we don't really delve into like how he feels about it and rachel definitely doesn't feel like an outcast anymore she's like the queen bee of her own little apartment um and she won the Whoopi goldberg competition thing so i'm like rachel doesn't feel like a creep like it just doesn't like it didn't fit the story yeah, I th also think that when you take the F-bombs out of Creep, it loses a lot of its punch. Yeah. What was your favorite song? Honestly, I think Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Like, I know that I've been, you know, going off about Deer and Chris and, uh, you know, t against all odds, take a look at me now. But um, I think that, uh, against all odds, I, Deer and Chris gives a really solid performance in that. I just, there's just something about Phil Collins's delivery on that song that I think is hard to, uh, often imitated, never replicated. Um, but just like, and they do it really well in Mamma Mia too, where just like the, um, the style of filming and just a lot of the the video effects that they added into that to make it feel um, like that it was being performed in the time period that it was written really really sold it for me and just like I said it's a bop so yeah 
I'm also going with Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. It, it is a bop. It's fun to sing along to. It was high energy. Um, I don't really think that any of the other songs, except maybe Creep, I kind of liked Creep, but it was weird. It was a weird song for that situation. Um, so definitely Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Yeah, I mean, I liked a lot of the songs. Like, I was okay with Copacabana and My Prerogative. Like, I liked the dancing in My Prerogative. Um, and I liked Wannabe and Mamma Mia and Take a Look at Me Now. But my favorite was definitely Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. It was like the dancing, the energy, the cast felt like very unified. And it was like, this is Glee at its best, like doing something fun and silly and unrealistic. And just taking us along for the ride. Um, which overall, I feel like this episode was kind of Glee at its best in that it was just kind of fun. Um, and sometimes Glee, some episodes can be really dull or they can be really awkward and painful. And this was just fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Erin, uh, do you have any social medias you'd like to plug? Um, I don't personally, I'm a bit of a dud on social media, uh, I suppose, just in the interest of trying to, to plug colleagues' work and stuff, um, go see Ain't Too Proud on Broadway, um, just, you know, Broadway shows, obviously, incredibly ta talented individuals, but just getting to see, you know, for me personally, you know, supporting someone that I went to high school with is a really cool um, opportunity, but go support your local theater groups. Uh, you know, we've been hit really hard because of the pandemic and even coming back from that, there are gonna be fewer opportunities and stuff for them to, to do that kind of thing, so. You can follow Gleeboot at Gleeboot Pod on Instagram and Twitter and the TikTok. And you can follow us at gleebootpod.tumblr.com on Tumblr. And you can follow me on Instagram at am and no, uh, no, wrong. <laughs> Don't. A dot M.S.W.E.A.R.I.N.G.E.N. Well, it's been a while since I messed up my own Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if you want to message me on uh, AIM, thing <laughs> or A AOL, sorry, Gosh, here I am and I'm bungling it. I meant AOL. So, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in to Guilty Pleasures. Buckles, thank you so much for coming on. We hope you had fun. Of course. And my, you know, my sayonara here is uh, Colin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tune in next week for an episode that may very well beat Rocky Horror Glee Show to be the worst episode of Glee ever made for an entirely different reason. What? Okay. It's so bad we're not even having a guest because you don't want to put them through this episode. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> it's about a social issue. Great. All right. Tune in next week for that. Bye. Bye.